We continue and wrap up our three-part series this morning that I've entitled Countercultural. We've been looking at common objections that the culture has to the Christian faith. Week one, we looked at the common objection that Christianity is too narrow. Last week, we looked at the common objection that it's all right that you believe what you believe, but please keep your beliefs to yourself. And this week, we look at the common objection that do you really have to believe that Jesus is God, or do you have to believe in Jesus being God to be a Christian? Does it matter that we actually believe that Jesus is is God. Is it okay that we believe that Jesus is just a, a good man or a good teacher? Why is it critical or fundamental that Christians believe that Jesus is God? And to look and answer that objection and that question this morning, we're going to look at John chapter 1 to see what the scriptures say about Jesus and who he is and what he did. And the claim that John makes himself in John chapter 1 about who Jesus is and what he did. In John chapter 1, as you're turning there this morning, we'll look at the first 14 verses, verses 1 through 14. This is known as the prologue. It's known as the introduction of the Gospel of John. And it's in the prologue of the Gospel of John, this introduction, that John gets right down to business. He wants them, and he dives into the idea of Jesus being the very Son of God, that Jesus is God incarnate. And the reason that John dives right in, it's as if he is communicating to the readers of this gospel that if you don't understand and believe that Jesus is Lord, if you don't understand and believe that Jesus is God, you'll never understand the rest of the gospel of John. You'll never understand what he's talking about and what he's He's doing and ultimately his great death and atonement for us by way of the cross. John refers to Jesus here in John chapter 1 as the Word. We see in verse 14 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and that we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who comes from the Father. And so Jesus being referred to as the Word here The word that was made flesh is absolutely foundational to John and ultimately foundational to what we believe as Christians. So read with me together the word of God as it's found in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness. He came to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born 
not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. Who would you say that Jesus is? What if someone was to ask you, do you really believe that Jesus is God? Do you really believe the story that came about 2,000 years ago that a, a man that lived and walked and breathed really was the second person of the Trinity? If someone was to ask you today, if someone was to ask you tomorrow morning, what would you say? Do we really have to believe that Jesus is God. A recent interview, a campus interview at a college campus interviewed several people, and here were some of the responses to whether they believe that Jesus is God. They said, I don't believe that Jesus is God. I'd just like to think of Jesus as a, a good person. One person answered and they said, I actually think it's basic Id- idolatry to think that a person can become or be a God. Another person said, I think he, Jesus was a, a great teacher and that I, his teachings can really help me. Another person answered, I believe that Jesus can help me be a better person and, and I think maybe Jesus can be a good fit for me. And maybe you won't, but I have my whole life to figure that out. Yaroslav Pelican, a Yale historian, said this about Jesus. Regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has become the dominant figure in history of Western culture and civilization for almost 20 centuries. Say what you want about Jesus, but he has stood the test of time to become the most dominant figure in the last 20 centuries. It's the first creed of the early church. Before there was an Apostles' Creed or a Nicene Creed, the first creed of the early church was this, that Jesus is Lord. So I want to answer the question this morning, does it really matter that we believe that Jesus is God? If someone was to knock on your door, a co-worker was to ask you, a family member or a friend was to ask you, do you really believe that Jesus is God, what would your answer be? The culture is asking, Do you really believe that Jesus is God? What would you say to them this morning or even this week? Looking at the Gospel of John chapter 1, I want to look at two things this morning. I want us to look at the argument or the claim that John is making that Jesus is God. And I want us to look at, secondly, the implications of that. If Jesus is truly God, then what difference does it make? First, the argument that John makes here in John chapter 1, that Jesus is God. In verse 1, John starts off by saying that Jesus, in the beginning, was the Word. The Word referring to Jesus himself. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Notice that John does not say that Jesus, the Word, was a God. He wasn't one of many gods, but he was God himself. 
Very important for us to understand that John is making the claim right there in verse 1 that Jesus was not a God. He wasn't some, uh, some hero of the faith. He wasn't some divine prophet. But John is making the claim here, making the argument right there in verse 1 that Jesus was God. Not a God, but God Himself. In verses 1 and 2, Jesus or John is not just making the claim that Jesus is God, but he's making the claim that if Jesus was God, that Jesus is eternal. In verses 1 and 2, what does it say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In verse 2, He was with God in the beginning. What does this language take us back to? In the beginning. It takes us back to the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. John is doing that intentionally to show us that Jesus, although He came in the flesh 2,000 years ago, that He has existed with the Father forever. That He was with God in the beginning. That the One who created the heavens and the earth is the One who has come in the flesh to not only create humanity, but to create a new humanity. To recreate the heavens and the earth. That Jesus has pre-existed with the Father because He is God. And so John is making the argument that not only is Jesus God, that He was God in verse 1, and not only is He eternal, that He was with God in the beginning, but it continues to make the argument. In verse 3, He not only says that Jesus is God and Jesus is eternal, but in verse 3, what does He say? That He is the Creator God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing that was made was made. That Jesus is the very one. He is the Word of God. In Genesis chapter 1, what does it say? That God speaks the earth and the universe into existence. The very Word of God has now become flesh and has dwelled among us. The very Word that put the heavens and the earth into motion, that has created the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars and the beast of the field and the beast of the air and the very image bearers of God, you and me. John tells us we're created by Jesus. That Jesus is God. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the Creator. And then lastly, John continues to make the argument of the divinity of Jesus Christ by saying in both verse 4 and 9 that Jesus is the light. He says that Jesus is the light and the life of men. He is light and life Himself. Very important for us to understand this claim about Jesus Christ that John is not saying, unlike other leaders of other world religions and other prophets and other false messiahs of the day, John is not saying that Jesus points people to the light or points people to the way or points people to how to, how to have a good and happy life. But John is saying that in Him was light and life. That Jesus himself is the essence of light, the essence of life. The same gospel will later tell us in John chapter 10 that Jesus says himself, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. A few weeks ago, we looked at John chapter 14 where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So John makes the claim that Jesus himself is God, he's eternal, he's the creator, and in him is light and life. He is the source of all light 
and life, making the bold and audacious claim that apart from Jesus, you cannot have life. Apart from Jesus, you cannot have light. That your life will be dark and empty. You will go through life trembling and stumbling and falling. You will go through life never ultimately finding the fulfillment and the satisfaction that your heart craves and desires apart from Jesus Christ. Don't miss in these first few verses of John chapter 1 these bold, audacious claims to who Jesus is. John is making the case before he tells us anything about what Jesus does in the following verses and the following chapters of the Gospel of John. He wants to make it very clear that this is no ordinary man, that this is no ordinary human being, that Jesus himself is God. He is the second person of the Trinity, begotten from the Father, preexistent with the Father from the very beginning of time. So we see here in John chapter 1 that Jesus is God and that he's eternal and that he's the creator and he is the very source of light and life. But what does it matter? If it is true what John is making the claim that Jesus is God himself, that he's not just a good teacher, that he's not just a good prophet, that he's not just a good man that lived 2,000 years ago, that we should follow his direction and following his teachings. What are the implications? If this is true, what does it matter for us and for the culture that we live in? What does it matter that we communicate that Jesus is truly God? Well, the first implication that Jesus is truly God and not just a good man or a good teacher, the reality is this, and we see it in verse 14. The first implication is that God has become visible. It says in verse 14, the Word, Jesus Christ, has become flesh. God, the God who up until this point had been far and removed and distant, the God who was ethereal and distant and was hard to comprehend, the God who up until this point had only been invisible, has now been made flesh, has come in the flesh. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that the Jesus is the, is, is the manifestation of God himself. That which was invisible and could not be seen can now be seen by the naked eye. God has become visible in the person of Jesus Christ. He has become visible and physically present. The Word, Jesus Christ, became flesh and lived among us. We now can know this God. This God has now become tangible. You often hear in our culture and you hear objections about Christianity that I just wish it was a little more clearer. I wish it was a little more concrete. I wish, the, I wish Christianity was a little more rational. Well, do you know what the word word means here in verse 14? The word means logic. The word means rational. The word means truth. And so what John is saying is that the word which is logic has become flesh. Jesus Christ himself is the epitome and the essence of logic and of truth and of wisdom. In the beginning, there was logic and reason and rational, the very word. God doesn't just send an argument down to, to earth he sends logic and the argument in the person of Jesus Christ. You want to know God? You look to the person of Jesus Christ. 
That's why John is able to say that if anyone follows after him, they will no longer be in darkness, but be in everlasting light. The first implication that Jesus is God is that God has now become visible to us. That which was distant and unclear and invisible has now physically dwelt with us. The second implication that Jesus is truly God is that Jesus, God has now taken our place in the person of Jesus Christ. Later in verse 14, not only does it say that Jesus has become flesh, that God has become flesh, but it says that He's dwelt among us. The word dwell there means tabernacle. It literally means that Jesus has tabernacled among us. What is a tabernacle? A tabernacle in the Old Testament was the place where man could meet God through what? Through sacrifice. And so the Old Testament believers in God were called to build a tabernacle. And this would be the place where they could come and experience God, could experience the Spirit of God. It was the place where they would make sacrifice and atonement on behalf of the people of God. And what John is saying is that in the person of Jesus Christ, that God has come down and He's dwelled among us. The tabernacle of God, no longer built by the hands of humans, is now in the person of Jesus Christ. The perfect tabernacle has come and has dwelt among us. It means we no longer have to run searching for the presence of God in a man-made tabernacle, but that Jesus Christ himself has come to be the tabernacle for us. You see, all throughout the Bible, we are told that we are separated from God because of our sin. All throughout the Bible, we are told that we are separated, that that is the great dilemma of humanity, trying to meet God, trying to encounter God. And the good news of Christianity is that Jesus has come down and he has dwelt with us, that he is the one that now we can meet and experience God. What a beautiful thing to think of Jesus coming down to close the gap between God the Father and humanity of all creation. You see, when we see the picture of Jesus Christ coming down to earth in the flesh, making God visible to us, we see Jesus Christ becoming the very tabernacle of God. And the reason that we are able now to meet God through the person of Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ, when He came to be the perfect tabernacle of God to dwell among us, did not go out and get a sacrifice. But He Himself became the sacrifice. You see, Jesus Christ Himself not only became the tabernacle, but He became the sacrifice within the tabernacle, laying down His life. You see, the implications of Jesus being God is that it's only God that could come down to lay down his life as a perfect sacrifice. And the only reason that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice is because he comes from God and that he is God himself. Without Jesus being God, there is no perfect sacrifice. Without Jesus being God, there is no perfect tabernacle. Without Jesus being God, there is no way for us to have the hope that eternally we can forever be in the presence of God forever. A God who comes down and takes your place, that's a God that we can trust. You can trust a God like that. 
So the implications of Jesus being God, God becomes visible and God takes our place in the person of Jesus Christ. The Word becomes flesh and it dwells among us. The Word becomes flesh and tabernacles among us. So if all this is true, in the face of culture, in light of what our culture tells us, that we can't simply believe in, in, in a man that lived 2,000 years ago that was truly God. If all of this is true, then two brief words of application as we close this morning. To the non-Christian or the skeptic or the doubter this morning, I want to say this to you. If it is true that Jesus is not just a good man, that Jesus is not just a good prophet or a good teacher, if it is true that he is the Son of God, then you can no longer say that I simply embrace him as a man, Jesus of Nazareth, who simply lived 2,000 years ago. C.S. Lewis said this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing you cannot say as a skeptic. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil himself. You must make your choice. Either this man, Jesus, was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. For the skeptic, for the doubter, for the non-Christian this morning, you cannot simply say that he was not God and leave it at that. You must either conclude this morning that he was a lunatic, that he was wicked, or something worse. But you cannot say that I just simply accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. That is not left to us this morning. To the non-Christian, you also cannot say that I, I want to accept Jesus, but I don't have what it takes. You see, for the non-Christian this morning, for those that don't believe in Jesus Christ, you have to understand that is why precisely Jesus came. In verse 12 and 13, what did we read this morning? For those that believed in his name, he became the right to be called children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but the will of God. You see, it is God who gives you the right to become his child this morning. You'll never have the right. Jesus earned that right for you. So for the person that says this morning, I don't have what it takes to become a child of God. I don't have what it takes to accept Jesus as Lord. You are well on your way because it is the person that is able to admit and conclude, I don't have what it takes, but I acknowledge that Jesus had what it took for me on my behalf. It is Jesus who gives you the right, not you, to become a child of God, to become his son, and to become his daughter. I implore you this morning to become a child of God based 
on what Jesus has done on your behalf. If you don't have what it takes, you're well on your way to the kingdom of God. I heard a story recently of a eight-year-old boy in Ohio who his parents put him and his sister to bed. And this eight-year-old boy was hungry, and so he got on YouTube and he learned how to drive a car. It's a true story. And so he wakes up his sister and he drives through four intersections. And when they got to the drive through line at McDonald's, they grew rather suspicious. And so they called the police and they eventually called the parents. And of course, when the parents arrive at the McDonald's to confront the eight-year-old boy, they say, what were you thinking? And the eight-year-old boy says, I was hungry. When you've got to have a Big Mac, you've got to have a Big Mac. I was hungry. I was hungry. And so are you, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you will not find bread anywhere else. Your career, your relationships, you could travel the world over and never find the bread, the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Take of me and you will never be hungry. Seek Jesus this morning, I beg you. To the Christian, do you say that Jesus is God? If you do, that means he's Lord. If you mean that he is Lord, then it means everything in your life must reflect that. If Jesus is truly God this morning for the Christian, and I would imagine if I went around this room and I was to ask you, do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Everyone would say yes. With a resounding yes, I believe that Jesus is Lord. But do you yield your life to him? Do you treat him as God? You see, for Jesus to be God, the implication for the Christian this morning is that you commit your heart and your mind and your soul and your will and your career, your marriage, your life, and your retirement solely to him. It means you submit your entire life purpose to Jesus. 80% of North Americans in a study said that their life purpose, their goal in life is their own personal happiness. That their aim in their life is to achieve personal happiness. I wonder how many in the church today, I wonder how many Christians even at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church would say the same things and not the glory of God. That they might say it with their lips, but if they were to look at their heart and their life, would they say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be my name, my kingdom come, my happiness will be done. If Jesus is God then the glorifying of God, the serving of God, the living of for God becomes central. Is that true for you? Embrace the King. Embrace Jesus as King. Embrace Him as Lord. And you will have life. Let me close with this. Actor Ben Kingsley, famous actor, two-time Oscar award-winning actor, told of his testimony recently growing up. He always had a heart and a passion to, for acting, but he was always mocked by his mom and dad. Even through college as he was getting special roles and, and being acclaimed by the culture and his friends and his colleagues, his mom and dad would often say, when are you going to give up that acting gig and 
get a real job. In this interview, he tells about the loveless home that he grew up in, never feeling the affection or the love from his mother or father. But about 15 years ago, his phone rang, and the voice on the other line said, Mr. Kingsley, Queen Elizabeth requests your presence at Buckingham Palace, for she wants to bestow upon you the honor of knighthood to become Sir Benjamin Kingsley. And Ben Kingsley said, in a moment my life changed. When I was knighted by the Queen, without, with a life of never feeling love, of never feeling affirmation from my mother or father, the day I was knighted as Sir Benjamin Kingsley, I wanted to run out into the streets and shout, the Queen loves me. The Queen loves me. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you know Jesus this morning, if you know Jesus as Lord, you can run out these doors this morning and you can run out into the streets and you can say boldly, the King loves me. The King really loves me. You see, our culture does not need Christians to run out into the streets and to say, let me tell you about Jesus, this good man. Our culture doesn't need us to go into our workplaces on Monday morning and tell, let me tell you about Jesus, this great teacher. What our culture needs more than ever is Christians boldly going out and saying, let me tell you about Jesus, my God. Let me tell you about Jesus my King. Let me tell you about this Jesus who is Lord and who is King, the King who has come down not to be served, but to serve, even willing to lay down his life for all who believe. You see, this King, Jesus Christ, came and lived the perfect life and died on the cross for your sins and mine so that you could live forever. The world has never seen a king like this. Most kings say, serve me and you will live. This king said, I will serve you, even to the point of death, so that you could live forever. This invitation is extended to you today. Would you receive him? For all those that receive him, for all those that believe upon him, it says, God gives you the right to be called a child of God. Would you embrace Jesus, not as a good man, not as a good teacher, but as the King of kings and Lord of lords? That invitation is yours today. Receive him. Because one day it says that every knee will bow. And one day it says that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart.